Cancel culture has quite a history. So does the Holy Spirit. It's really nothing new. The Pharisees were the cancel culture kings of Jesus' day. Not even a resurrection could put their efforts to rest. The Roman Empire invested a lot of time and energy in an attempt to abort the birth of Christianity in the first place. But some things are just not meant to be canceled. Been thinking about a, a number of events shared in recent episodes, especially the, the speed at which bedrock educational and social institutions, particularly academia, geopolitics, and social media, are creating new agendas and accompanying vocabularies that manifest way, way outside of our categories. The woke critical race theory, gender identity, yeah, and cancel culture. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. I recently heard a quote from Bible teacher Francis Chan. Some of you are familiar with his ministry. This is what he said. We, we preach from the absence of criticism instead of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We often proclaim the Word of God to avoid Avoid criticism from those who occupy the seats in our local congregations. Saints and seats are a necessary ingredient in most any church, and we, we want to keep them there. But avoiding congregational criticism can come at a cost of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord for a, for a moment in time. The word of the Spirit intends in a particular season. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 24. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? The Lord said in Luke chapter 12, verse 42, Who then is that faithful and wise servant? Who's that faithful and wise servant whom his master will make ruler over his household? That's the household of God to give them their portion in due season. It's clear Jesus thought it to be a, a really good thing to present a particular word at a particular time with a particular energy and a particular urgency, regardless, regardless of the consequences. Maybe that means don't mince up the seasonal food. Don't mince up what the Holy Spirit intends for the hearer in a particular season. You know, I remember my grandmother would always mince up her food in tiny little pieces for obvious reasons. But as a youngster, she'd also, also mince mine in like manner. And it was not my season for minced food. I had teeth. I strongly believe, as, as pastors and teachers will be more intently required to pay close attention to the word of the Lord, shifting to a, a more apocalyptic presentation, a seasonal word that will it'll go to preparing those to whom we've been given stewardship. These same members of the household of faith are, are raising pressing questions, just as in Jesus' day, about a season we're approaching. There are a lot of voices out there. Are you, regardless of your ministry status, prepared to declare the seasonal word of the Lord? Paul told young Pastor Timothy to preach the word, 
Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Uh, that could bring some criticism. Think on that quote again for a moment. Maybe even, maybe even a bit longer. I have because I'm a preacher. We often preach from the absence of criticism instead of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord has a season. It has a time. Just what am I preaching? What might be the consequences of what I say? I'm about to talk about some of the recent cultural changes that ultimately, even now, will have an impact on the church, Christianity in general, apocalyptic evangelism in particular. What should I preach? Cancel culture can be aimed not only at long-held societal positions, but religious positions as well. There are some cultural dynamics in play today that were well prophesied in the Word of God and have been ongoing since the first advent of Christ. And if we're wise, in the face of all this chaos that we're experiencing in these days, we'll, we'll retreat to our Bibles to see what's on the horizon. I always, I always like to go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that, that points not only to a global apostasy, but the revelation of the man of sin who will ultimately lead the greatest cancel culture in history, his effort to cancel the Jew and the Gentile church. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, brethren, consider the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in our gathering together to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled even by spirit, or by word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. See, they needed, they needed a word in season, and Paul gave it to them. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means for that day. What day? The day of the Lord. It will not come unless the falling away comes first. That great apostasy and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition the one who we will know as the Antichrist. A great falling away because some of you will soon be invalidated, canceled by government and institutional sources from saying what brings glory to God and His Holy Spirit. That day is coming, folks. So what exactly is this great apostasy we're talking about? What does it look like? How might we see it, recognize the season as clearly as we'll identify the future Antichrist? Paul says Jesus can't come now, and the day of the Lord can't be imminent or even present because there's been neither a great falling away, an apostasy, or the revelation of the Antichrist. Now, now, some would argue immediately that while there's not been a revelation of the Antichrist, there has been and will continue to be an ongoing falling away, a rejection, a rejection in the church of much of the, the fundamental content of the Word of God. That's happening now, because saying the wrong things in the mind of culture police could get you canceled or worse. The original word for apostasy in, in classical Greek literature meant a political revolt 
And that's important. That's an interesting term. Uh, we certainly see that in this day. From this, we understand the end time apostasy is not just a time of, of sinfulness or, or backsliding in the church. It's much more than just that. It's a time of open defiance, warlike aggression against divine moral foundations, departing from the faith, embracing deceiving spirits and, and demonic doctrines, rejecting the absolutes of the Bible, the Word of God. The apostasy is a political insurrection against the laws of God, laws that, that will be subject to cancellation as demonically inspired voices in present civilization call for a so-called better way. Now, now, we can say with some degree of certainty that such apostasy is beginning to take place, a global rebellion against moral absolutes that have helped shape nations and cultures fundamental truths that have held cultures and generations together for millennia. I suggest the apostasy Paul is also addressing here is the present-day rejection of basic biblical moral absolutes in marriage, family, gender identity, abortion, even infanticide in, in some cultures. Rejection of the fundamental God-given frameworks that have kept civilization from imploding upon itself. The church needs to wrap its collective, its collective minds around the paradox that in order for that which is very good to come, and it will come, that which is very evil must come first, must be revealed and fully exposed, there were two trees in the garden. Don't ever forget that. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And because of the sin and fault resulting from a very bad choice, there were two great mysteries that must be revealed before the Lord can return. The mystery of godliness was revealed at the cross, but there's still a, a future revelation. The mystery of sin and iniquity in the coming Antichrist. The fullest sense of the revelation of evil ever perpetrated on civilization. Yes, that which is evil must be revealed and fully exposed. Now, what about the other half? The other half of that verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul makes it clear these, these two go hand in hand. He says the man of sin must be revealed before the Lord can return. That revelation of the man of sin, the Antichrist, will come when Satan is forcibly cast down by Michael, as we see in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. We've talked about that on many occasions. The war in the heavens between Michael and Satan. The devil finds himself on the losing end, is cast to the earth. His ages-long opposer. This ages-long opposer in heaven and earth finds himself forced to enter the mortally wounded beast in Revelation chapter 13, a supernatural event that begins the final three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week. Now, this solves the final mystery, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of sin and unrighteousness as Satan becomes fully incarnate in the Antichrist thus endowed with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and he enters the temple to claim divine honor. Certainly, this incarnation will gain the undivided attention of the world. Can't miss it. 
as it visibly takes place at the very time and place Jesus pointed out to his disciples in Matthew chapter 24. My translation, this is my translation. When you see the abomination of desolation, understand what's underway and get out of Jerusalem post haste. Such an event is not unprecedented. The prince of Persia in Daniel chapter 10 withstood the angelic messenger's assignment uh, to bring Daniel the revelation of what would overtake his people in the latter days, our days, the days we see coming. And something very important to remember here is Daniel's prophetic revelation came as a result of knowing the season of captivity was about to expire and his persistent travail and intercession for his people is what initiated the angelic intervention. How much more, you and me in our day? I submit the day of the Lord and his return will see the church in like travail and intercession, just like Daniel. So now's the time to begin forming houses of prayer and corporate gatherings to cry out to God day and night for the wisdom and revelation to navigate the days ahead. This is not something to be delayed. I believe we can see this background of, of Daniel's understanding and revelation of his generational season will also come in like manner to a, a new generation, a new generation of apostolic and prophetic voices in our day. I believe also these young adults, and there will be many of them, will be the catalysts for the greatest outpouring since Pentecost, and that salvation will come to hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions, as the day of the Lord approaches. This is the great finishing of the mystery of God that comes with the, the seventh trumpet. Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets and as he's declaring in our day. So, my friends, pay attention to the season you're in. There are a lot of voices out there, some spouting doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. This is not a, a flesh and blood thing we're involved in here. It's a spiritual dynamic, one like we've never seen before. So, so pay attention, forget what's behind, and, and give close attention to what's coming. Let's pray. Father, we really need you. We need your Holy Spirit to lead us like never before. We ask for your wisdom, revelation of the time and the season, and the wisdom to navigate these days that are coming. The days of multiple choice are over, Father. The days of true and false have arrived, mixed in. I believe, Father, you're, you're mixing in some challenging essay questions that will require the knowledge of your word. Lord, help us prepare in the name of Jesus. Help us prepare. Amen and amen. I urge you to subscribe to the podcasts, tell your friends, and, and hook them up. I'm Bill Nordstrom. Maranatha!